Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. As we do on a Tuesday, our Ask Alex segment, your opportunity to ask for uh, expert insight into perhaps a scenario that you are facing financially. You might have a question. You might have a comment. There might be something that you're interested to talk about. Alex Cook is our special guest. Alex, of course, is the founder of Wealth With Purpose, an expert on money, former stockbroker. Now he is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Alex, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Good morning to you. Great to be with you as always. Hey, Alex, we'll talk about wealth creation as we go, and uh, listeners might have their own questions, but uh, the FTX collapse, uh, some Christian commentary around this, uh, it's a huge cryptocurrency exchange, uh, estimated mm. losses, $8 billion, a million customers out of pocket. Uh, tell us your overall thoughts about this recent collapse. Yeah, well, look, it's probably going to go down in history as one of the biggest corporate collapses of all time. Uh, as you say, it's the losses, and this is just what's come out in the last week that we know of, are somewhere in the vicinity of $8 billion. But I think it's still very early days yet because what we don't really know is who else may go bankrupt as a result because it's kind of like the, the global financial crisis where there's other firms involved and you don't really know what we call the counterparty risk. So there is a possibility that there are going to be other crypto-related companies or venture capital firms uh, that have been invested in FTX that are also going to be heavily affected by its collapse. Um, but, you know, so far, I believe it's something like a million people are out of pocket, and I suspect they won't uh, see a dollar of their money back, particularly, you know, once you allow for all the legal fees to, to clean up the mess that's going on. Um, but it does look like one of the sort of classic cases. We've seen this thing many before. Okay, it's it's for sure it's crypto, which may be new and not of itself over the last few years. But these kind of collapses we see every sort of five to ten years. There was a very similar one, or oh, five or six uh, years ago in the US. Um, and what typically happens here is behaviour around the access to client funds. Uh, and in this particular case, um, FTX had a sort of a separate company on the side called Alamada Research, and that was their trading arm. And that's where they were speculating on crypto. And I suspect what happened is they probably were tr they made some losses and then tried to take even bigger risks to win it back so they could then give their, their client money back. Um, but of course, that's not what transpired. As I say, this is a, it's actually quite a familiar story um, where basically client funds have been used unbeknownst to the clients and, uh, you know, huge losses come with it. But there are some other interesting things with this one. And one is that it was basically a company where <laughs> that it appears to be run by kids. I mean, I don't think there was anyone in the management team uh, that was more than uh, 30 years of age. So it was, um, you know, it, it's pretty extreme. Um but also, interestingly, the accountant that's been brought in to, to clean it up is the guy that liquidated Enron, and that must be well over 10 years ago now. That was back around um, you know, 2008. 
and he he's come, he's been in the press in the last few days, and he's come out saying that never in his career has he seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such an absence of trustworthy financial information. Um, you know, basically very poor systems, extremely inexperienced people, uh, very compromised. He basically said the situation is unprecedented. I mean, this is a company that's really grown out of nowhere over the last um, couple of years. In fact, the other thing he said is that they don't even know, they don't have a list of all the employees at their employment contracts. So it appears to be uh, a huge mess. And I don't think uh, we've heard the last of this story. I think this story is going to go on uh, for weeks and months as it all you know, starts to unravel. Well, it's a huge global uh, organisation and it's online. And as you say, uh, virtually kids running it. So there's a little bit of lack of experience in the accountability realm that we might anticipate for uh, these sorts of businesses. Interesting, isn't it? And uh, I know that some long-time listeners will know that you've had a very conservative approach uh, to the way that crypto works. And this might be a there might be a few lessons and some obvious things that you can learn from that now that you've seen this sort of thing happen. Yeah, and I think that's right. I mean, as I say, collapses like this are not unusual. We do get um, those sort of things every five to ten years. And I think it's straight out of the Bible in the sense that the Bible remarkably just describes human nature in a nutshell. And so what you're watching here is human nature playing out. You know, we're watching sin and greed and all these things all play out. And unfortunately, so many people get caught up in it. It's not just the company itself. It's the, the people that lent the money. It's people who bought into the, you know, the spectacular returns thinking it was going to be, you know, keep, keep happening. So it's classic human nature straight out of the Bible, um, if you ask me. But to me, there are some very important lessons that we can take from this. Um, and the first one that I really want to emphasize is that you don't invest in things you don't understand. And, you know, over the last, particularly the last three or four years, I've had lots of people come up to me and talk to me about uh, crypto and how they're getting into it and, you know, why it's such a good thing. But when I ask certain questions, I always find there's not a lot of depth to it. They've just read a lot on the internet and so forth. And so they feel that they've got a, a grasp on something that they haven't necessarily. So the rule for investing, and it doesn't apply just to crypto, it applies to investments across the board, whether it's uh, you know shares or property, is make sure you understand what you're investing in. And this is particularly critical for Christians because we want to be good stewards of whatever God has put in our hands. So we've got a responsibility um, to do that. So we need to be very cautious with what God's given us. Um, the other lessons here, as I say, these things happen in cycles. Every sort of 10 years, we get these big collapses. I mentioned, um, you know, it's not unusual. Australians will remember OneTel that collapsed and there was FAI, the huge insurance company, and Babcock and Brown during the GFC, all these sort of companies. This is just uh, the cycle playing out where some companies take on too much risk. And it's usually the same thing. It's usually a mixture of speculation, but also high levels of debt. That's always a very common thing. So you want to avoid investments that are attached to a high, you know, high level of debt. 
But some other interesting ones here, you know, you and I, as you said, we've spoken about crypto a few times. And one is just to remind people that it is highly speculative. Whilst it is an interesting space and, you know, most of us probably know one or two people that have made a lot of money out of it. It is a very, very speculative space and you should never put money in there that you're not prepared to lose. You know, you should take a, a very, very cautious approach to it. And the other thing I think that a lot of people are realizing is with your crypto, when you do own it, like say you own Bitcoin, is you should store it off the exchanges because you don't know if they're lending your crypto out to other parties. So you don't know the, the exact risks that have been taken with your money. So you've got to be very cautious, I think, um, with these kind of things. Okay. Uh, Look, and as we'll, I say, I don't think we've seen the last of it. Okay, more to come. Uh, hey, we're taking calls on one 316 316 A couple of calls waiting here. Let's take one from Pinky, the truck driver, uh, who's from Gatton in southeast Queensland. Today you're in Mackay, Pinky. Welcome along. Uh, g'day, Neil. How are you going? Very well. What are your thoughts Thank for you our conversation Alex. today? Uh, yeah, um, a little bit off track, Alex. Um, I, I've got a, a slight problem with the bank that I took a loan out with about, oh, about 11, 11 years ago, I suppose. And um, we yep. uh, supposed to have an offset account on it. And anyway, when we looked into it a few years down the track, when it wasn't uh, doing too much, I found out they'd actually signed us up for an interest-only loan. And, ah, okay. yeah. and when I confronted them about it, they didn't really want to know about it. But, uh, I took the banking officer on and put them on the task. We had a, 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 a link-up meeting and with my wife and, uh, and, and everyone, and a uh, merchant in the bank representative said, you got what you signed for, and that's it. Okay, let's get let's get Alex's insight here because uh, others may well this, this could be their experience too, where the bank signs you up for things that you didn't sign up for. Uh, Alex, your thoughts for Pinky? Yeah, look, I mean, I haven't heard of this particular scenario before, but I think the the important thing here will be to establish the facts of it, and that is to check the original documents you signed. Because when you sign uh, bank loan documents, and we, we run a, a mortgage broking arm, so I've actually you know witnessed the actual documents that clients sign, um, it should make it very clear as to whether it was principal and interest or interest only. So if um, you've signed a document that says interest only, then that's that would be it. Uh, if on the other hand though you've signed something and it, it actually says P and I, but you you know you were under the impression, uh, or, or sorry, it's it's been treated from a, a management perspective as interest only, then the bank will have to, you know, sort that out. I mean, the main issue, I guess, is that if you've had uh, interest only loan for 11 years, you haven't actually been paying it down, is what I'm guessing you're saying. You've only just been servicing it. You've only been paying the interest. So you haven't built up any equity, which would be a big concern for you over an 11-year period. So I, if that's what I'm hearing yeah. correctly. Um, but but the thing I would be wanting to do is get the original documents that you signed because that will be ultimately from a, like, if you, if you want to look at it from a judge's perspective, like the judge has to look at what's in writing and, and what's, you know, like in financial planning, right, if we get, if we ever have a problem, they look at the file notes and they look at the documents. 
because they can't a judge can't rely on what people are telling them. You know, in other words, they can't rely on they don't know who's telling the truth and who's not. So it's going to come down to what those original documents said, whether they said interest only or whether they said P and I. So that's what I'd be going hunting for, and the bank certainly should have copies of all of that. Pinky, does that answer your query? Yeah, I just one more. Uh, we've got the original application uh, forms on the computer where we've got it all printed out and checked and, and that. And then what they did is they put the application in. When it came back, I asked the question, as what you were just saying then, and they said, yeah, 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 that's, that's right. And uh, so I signed it. But see, they said I should have taken it to a solicitor. That's where their argument is. The original Alex? application was, uh, was paid out for principal and interest, and then but when it came back to the contract, the contract was paid out for interest only. Alex? Okay, so the contract was done incorrectly, basically, by the sound of it, as in what you the application said it had it on there, but the, uh, the loan documents, when you've got them, were incorrect. Yeah, I, I mean... Correct, yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's a good question. I, I'm not a lawyer here, and to be honest, this is going to require legal involvement because ultimately it's what you, you, you can prove. And it sounds to me that the bank has issued you incorrect documentation and that you're going to have to prove that that's what they've done. What, what they may say is that well, the documents you signed the second time round, as in the um, were not correct and you should have picked that up, i.e. you should have checked it. That's what they may say. I don't know. Um, but I'd be looking to get a legal involvement to uh, to sort that out because um, it's all going to come down to what's put in writing, I'm afraid. Pinky in Mackay today. Thank you so much for your call. And 1-800-316-316, our Ask Alex segment. You might have a question or a scenario around finance. Let's take a caller from Western Australia. Hello, welcome along. Good morning, uh, Neil. Good morning, uh, Alex. I have, I've got a question. Uh, with the uncertainty of the markets and the uncertainty of uh, what's going on in the world, um, I'm a retiree and uh, I've got my money in a, in a pension fund. Is it worth uh, moving it out of the pension fund into a bond like a uh, like Australian uh, bond exchange? Good question. Uh, Alex, have you got some insight here for our caller from WA? Yeah, okay. So it's it's a sort of a complicated one in one sense. The main thing to you is if you're retired, there's a natural inclination to want to be conservative with your money because the, uh, the uncertainty in the world. So that I'd strongly encourage is to assess how much risk you're taking. So there's a couple of unknowns here just, just from what we're talking about. Um, but the pension fund that you're in, I, I'm assuming it, you know, it's a superannuation that's been converted into a pension, um, that's a very low tax environment. So from a tax effective point of view, it's a great place for the money to be. However, the question then becomes is what investment options are you in? And are they appropriate based on your age and stage of life? Um, so given the uncertainty and what we're doing with clients, and I can't tell, tell you what to do over, you know, over the air, is that we are minimised, you know, we're limiting the risk because we need to make sure that we protect clients' capital in, in stormy weather. Um, 
And it also comes down to how far into retirement someone is. There's a concept in the industry that we use called sequencing risk. And what that simply means is you don't want to get really bad returns in the early years of retirement. Because if you get really poor returns in those early years, it shaves off uh, off years, off the du you know the duration of your retirement. In other words, you run out of money sooner. Um, so you do need to apply a bit of caution to it. Um, but taking your money out of the pension fund and putting it into the bond exchange may sound okay in theory, but it depends what you're buying. Because keep in mind, uh, the bond exchange, if it's the one I think it is, you know, you're probably buying government bonds. And government bonds are very vulnerable to increases in interest rates, which is what's going on at the moment due to inflation. Uh, and also, Western governments just keep racking up the debts at unprecedented rates. I, I suspect that a country like America, for example, will ultimately default on its debt because there's no way they can repay it. Australia is not as anywhere near as bad. But the point here is you're quite right to be concerned about the uncertainty. Um, but with the existing fund you're in, I'd be looking at what low risk options there are for you to consider so you can have some peace of mind about where your money's invested before you go pulling it out. Um, so there's lots of things there to think through, but the key issue is making sure that you've got an appropriate level of risk based on your age and stage of life. Um, and I would strongly encourage you to go and see a financial advisor to have those discussions because I think it's very important that you have peace of mind knowing where your money's invested. A caller from WA, is that a helpful suggestion? Yes, thank you so much. It uh, really helped a lot. And uh, thanks for your advice, um, Alex. I really appreciate that. Have a good day. Uh, well done. And, God bless. Uh, yes, and it's uh, drawn us to the close of our conversation here too, Alex. And uh, for listeners who want to connect with Alex Cook, he is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. And we'll have these segments, of course, each Tuesday in this time slot, your opportunity to present a scenario or you might have a question about what's going on, even in a global sense, uh, with the way that the economies of the world are being challenged right now. You can connect with Alex Cook at wealthwithpurpose.com. There's all sorts of good, free, insightful resources there, free ebooks, the My Toolkit. There are videos, there are podcast content there as well at wealthwithpurpose.com. You can follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. There is even an Ask Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com email, and uh, we can address questions on a Tuesday like this. Alex Cook, thank you so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with listeners today on 2020. My pleasure. Thanks, Neil. God bless.